Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is Chief for Yourself. Now, here's Geo. Hi, and welcome to Chief for Yourself. It is so good to have you with us, wherever you happen to be in the world at this moment. We're living in a time that finds us connected to one another more so than at, well, any other time in history. So it seems odd that loneliness would show up on anyone's radar screen. Our guest today tells us that loneliness isn't something that only happens when we're physically alone. Kira Asatrian has a unique passion for the lonely and, in fact, has had her own dealings with loneliness. She draws on her own struggle with loneliness to help others escape feelings of isolation. She maintains a private coaching practice where she helps teams, couples, and individuals cultivate closeness in their relationships. She also writes for many popular blogs, including Psychology Today. Kira Asatrian is the author of Stop Being Lonely, Three Simple Steps to Developing Close Friendships and Deep Relationships. Well, figures show, Kira, that uh, there are an estimated 60 million lonely people in the U.S., and being that we seem to be connected, liked, friended, plus one, and followed just about every time we turn around. What's going on? What's Why so much loneliness? <laughs> well, it's a slightly complicated question without a super simple solution. Um, but the main factors are that a, a lot has changed in our society in the last couple of decades. One of, one of the big aspects of that that I talk about in the book is, is technology and how it kind of inserted itself into all the ways that we interact with one another. Um, there's also just some social changes that have happened, like most people marry later, most people live alone. Um, we kind of see, you know, living with family as a bit of a failure after a certain age. So there are certain cultural things that have happened, you know, in America in the last couple decades that make it so that people are becoming more and more lonely. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of technology, most of us would rather endure a root canal than live one day without our phones. I just had a weird, I had a weird thought that someday it might be common to see no tech sections in restaurants and coffee bars where people would, would be free to talk amongst themselves or even to reach out and meet other people. Is it is it getting so bad that it could get to that? <laughs> That's a great idea. I actually really like that idea. I've never heard that before. Um, I could totally see that happening. I, it's also, you know, some of it is is generational. The, the younger you get, the more they really are very reliant on, on their phones, specifically. Um, one of my favorite studies, I've been quoting it all the time because I just love it, is um, it looks at people breaking up with their boyfriends or girlfriends over text. And, mm. you know, I, I'm 32, so I, I, I have technology all over my life, but, but to me that still seems abhorrent to do that. Um, but, but the average 15, 16, 17-year-old will absolutely do that and finds it very weird to call somebody just to break up with them. <laughs> oh. 
there have been a million. Yeah, there have been a million sitcoms to that effect. My boyfriend, you know, texted me to say he's out of here, and I mean, it just seems that uh, women, for sure, are, are outraged at that. I wouldn't be very happy with it. It's just kind, of, but that's, I guess, a sign of the times. Yeah, it's, and, and the logic kind of makes sense. It's that, you know, we communicate about absolutely everything over our phones anyway, so it, it would actually be, like, sort of disturbing to, like, call somebody just to break up with them. Mm-hmm. So that's just that's just one anecdote, but, yeah, it's, it's becoming, like, a very, uh, <laughs> a very important part of our relationships these days. Mm-hmm. In the book, you talk about uh, closeness as a key aspect of all relationships. Can you talk a little more about closeness and how it is such a key? Sure. So my definition of closeness is that it is direct access to another person's inner world. Um, And the reason that I came up with that definition is because I wanted to distinguish this feeling of loneliness from being physically alone or just quote-unquote, having no friends, Um, because that's kind of where we go to when we find out that somebody feels lonely is, you know, why don't you meet more people? Why don't you put yourself out there more? Um, And and in my experience and the research that I did for this book, it's not really about that. It's more about creating this certain close feeling with with anybody, with people in your life. Mm -hmm. And I would think, too, it's it's a real short jump from closeness to love. Do we tend to confuse that? We, we think we're in love or, or we think love is coming on or something like that? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. When I, when I started thinking about, you know, what would this antidote to loneliness be, there was kind of closeness. There was, in my mind, there was intimacy as an idea. Um, and then there was love. And I quickly ruled out love as the answer to this problem. Because to me, love is somewhat mysterious and somewhat, I would say, magical. Um, Because, you know, we can love people long after they've died. We can love people before they're born. Um, You can love people across great, great distances. And I feel like that's a big difference than this feeling of being close to somebody that that I talk about in the book. Mm -hmm. Uh, you've been, well, you've dealt with loneliness yourself. Talk about your own life as a lonely person. Yeah. Yeah, I have, uh, there have been different periods of my life where I felt very lonely, and I always found it very strange because my, my first period was when I was young, when I was like, you know, a young teenager, adolescent. And, and it was weird because I, I've always had a really nice family. Like, I have great parents. Um, I had I had friends more or less all throughout school, um, but it, I just didn't feel like anybody really understood me in this way that uh, that mattered to me a lot. So I, I so that was my first one. My second one, which was almost more disturbing, was in college when you would think that nobody's lonely in college. It's like the most social time of people's lives. Um, but I had the same experience of feeling like nobody really got me. So that, that was part of what inspired this book. Hmm. Now, you, you were born and raised in the Silicon Valley, and uh, it's a place that seems as much a state of mind as a location. We watch, we, <laughs> yeah. we, we see so much video on newscasts and things that suggest the atmosphere at companies there uh, suggests that people uh, 
have a sort of esprit de corps and a kind of a playful attitude, and they're all having a good time enjoying each other's company. But I'm, I'm guessing it'd be just as easy to feel the loneliness there as any place else. Yeah, it is. I, I, there, there definitely is a culture here of, of playfulness, I would say. But, but we're super, super entrenched in the technology thing, um, and and it, it kind of interferes with relationships. Like, uh, you know, something that a lot of companies advocate for here is remote working, so everybody works from wherever they are, and it's wonderful for you know for practical reasons. It's wonderful for parents. Um, but but there's a certain reality that you just don't really bond with people when they're not physically present with you. Mm-hmm. Now, do you, uh, do you work regularly with companies there to advise them in this area? Yeah, I've been doing less of it recently because I, I, I've been focusing more on couples and specifically uh, actually engaged couples doing kind of like premarital coaching because uh, the more I learned about what makes marriages last, the more it, it, it kind of became apparent to me that prevention is better than trying to undo a lot of damage. Mm-hmm. So I try to help couples with, with prevention in their relationships. Loneliness uh, seems to be kind of cut from the same cloth as stress, which can have a big effect on a person's physical well-being. In fact, you write that loneliness acts a lot like stress in the body, doesn't it? It does. It's unfortunately really bad for you physically. And and I always feel like, you know, <laughs> I don't want to, like, fearmonger when I talk about this stuff, but, mm-hmm. but there's a certain reality. There's been a lot of tests that have done and studies that have been done that show that that chronic loneliness is, uh, well, it taxes the immune system, it, it raises your blood pressure, which, which are both things that stress do as well. Um, it's also kind of, it's on par, actually, with, like, smoking and obesity and things that we know are bad for us. Um, so it's, it's <laughs> it is something to be taken seriously. Mm-hmm. Our guest on this Chief for Yourself is Kira Asatrian, the author of Stop Being Lonely, Three Simple Steps to Developing Close Friendships and Deep Relationships. And the key uh, to getting uh, closer is, is shifting perspective, you're right, and uh, getting in touch with knowing and caring. Uh, talk a little bit about caring and, and getting close to someone in a way that you, you learn about them. Sure. So Cares about their well-being. 
When you're getting to uh, know someone, let's say it's a relationship that, uh, well, may turn serious, uh, someone you may partner with eventually. You know, we hear people say they want to partner with someone who doesn't have a lot of baggage. And yet, (laughs) in the book, we learn that it is important to understand the partner's past. How do we go about sorting through that and keeping that uh, in a perspective? Yeah, that's an interesting topic. So that's that's part of the, when I talk about knowing um, in the book, that's one of the ways that you can get to know somebody is to talk about or to, to inquire about their past and their future. Um, and, and some people, the stuff about their past just is their default mode of talking. You know, you probably have met those people mm-hmm. who just all they do is talk about what has happened in the past. Yeah. Um, but the reason that the past matters when it comes to building closeness is because um, the past is kind of how people make meaning of what's happened to them and how they make sense of, you know, where they've come from over time. So if they've done any introspection of themselves, they'll have, they'll have a pretty good story to tell you. And, and once you know that story, you have a, you'll, you'll actually have a pretty good sense of who they are as a person. Mm-hmm. On your website, you say that uh, all relationships are on a single spectrum from distant to close. And it it seems as though we can, as we start out, we can see the finish line. You know, it's it's a straight uh, straight path. But I imagine there are diversions along the way, too. Does that depend on the person or on the couple? How how does that work? It's it's probably not a completely straight line. Yeah, absolutely. And you can also, like, let's say that it's a co-worker that you end up getting very close to while you're working together and then somebody leaves the company um, and then, you know, maybe you won't be as close for a period of time and then maybe you'll reconnect. So th- things can waver. It can it can come and go. But, but the reason that I like the, you know, all relationships are on one continuum idea is because it's not... I don't think relationships are this binary where you're either like sadly in love with somebody or you're nobody to them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a lot of nuance and and if you're feeling lonely, if you can just move a couple of your relationships a little bit closer to close, then it, it will actually alleviate some of that loneliness. Mm-hmm. You ever find yourself uh, having to sort of put the psychologist hat on, you know, that you're getting into some uh-huh. some deep water here, uh, you know, among couples? <laughs> well, yeah, so I, I, I am a relationship coach, so I, I'm a life coach <laughs> by training, but a lot of people tend to not really know the difference mm-hmm. <laughs> between coach okay. and therapist, so I, I have to, I have to, you know, remind frequently. Um, but, but the thing about loneliness is that it's not, it's not a mental disorder. It's not mm-hmm. a mental illness. Yeah. In the, you know, so it doesn't really fall in the realm of, of therapy necessarily. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To, to me, it's just a human experience that, you know, almost everybody has felt from time to time. Yeah. You say that, uh, and I want to go back to the business aspect here, that uh, closeness can have a positive impact in business dealings, too. Uh, talk about how a, a business, a corporation, an industry can uh, benefit from this idea. Yeah, I, I know. Isn't that interesting? It is. So when I, when I first like started thinking about how this could be applied at work, um, I, was, I was mostly just thinking about turning coworkers into friends. Um, but then as I did more research, it, it became 
clear that the more that team members really know each other and care about each other and, and talk about things outside of the work projects themselves, the, the more productive they, they actually are at work. Um, so that so that's really the headline when it comes to you know applying this to teams. It's encourage conversation outside of just the work at hand. Mm-hmm. Even with things like um, age discrimination and impending mortality, those in the uh, over 55 age group have uh, more encouraging numbers when it comes to loneliness evaluation than some other demographics, such as millennials. Is there any one outstanding things that you see in older folks, uh, or what they may be doing, that's keeping them from feeling that kind of loneliness, at least feeling it as much? Yeah, so I when I came into this, I had the idea that, like, the older you get, the lonelier you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and and there's, some, there's some reality around, like, physical limitations of just being able to see people in the same way. Um, but it, it, it appears that there's really two big spikes right now. Um, there's a big spike in the millennial age group in terms of loneliness, and there's a big spike around, like, 40 to 50-year-olds. Um and the 40 to 50 year olds kind of make sense to me because I, I feel like people in that age group are just, they just have a lot of responsibilities. Probably their work is pretty demanding at that time. They probably have families to take care of. So it makes sense to me that, you know, developing close relationships might not be like at the top of the priority list. Um, but the millennials thing is fascinating. I, I can't help but think that a lot of it has to do with being raised on technology. And and millennials have developed a bit of a quote-unquote real-life anxiety, <laughs> meaning that they, they're actually more anxious than other age groups when it comes to interacting with people face-to-face. What, um, I, I don't know, I don't want to, pin this down to one quick answer, but um, mm-hmm. what do you say to the group as a whole, millennials with all of the pressures, not only what we're talking about, but things like student loans and all that stuff, um, where do they get started in all of this? How can they at least tone down the uh, the fear and the worry and all that stuff? Yeah, it, it, is, it is a complicated question. Uh, the one thing that I would really advocate for is in terms of the technology stuff, um, just try to use it in in service of in-person interaction. And I say that because, like, phones are not going anywhere, especially for the younger people. They're here to stay. Um, and, and they are extremely useful for making plans to meet up, you know, on the fly, on the go. Um, so if they can be used a bit more to actually get people together in real life, I think they're actually a great tool for, for that age group. All right. Well, I just want to ask you one more question here, and then we'll let you go. Um, if you could give us a list um, or just several things of uh, that we can mainly start doing right now that uh, can make us feel a little less lonely in this moment. Yeah. So I would say that if you have, well, okay, number one would be, uh, evaluate the relationships that you have right now and see if there's anybody that you know or have met casually or that you're already really in a relationship with. Um, 
where you feel like that relationship could be closer. And if you have at least one person like that that you'd like to be closer to, the, the first place to start is really with knowing. So getting to know them better through asking slightly more <laughs> questions that get a little more deep than we usually ask. I actually have two full chapters in the book about questions, because mm-hmm. I think they're super important. Um, and then and then learning how to listen to them with the intent of trying to understand them from their own perspective. And, and the website is kiraasatrian.com. Lots more help uh, to be had there as well as uh, in the book. And, and can we find out more about buying the book at uh, the website? Yeah, all the information is on the website. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's on Amazon and everywhere books are sold. Okay. The book is Stop Being Lonely, Three Simple Steps to Developing Close Friendships and Deep Relationships from Kira Asatrian. Kira, thank you for the book and for giving us so much help in dealing with the uh, pangs of loneliness. Do come back and talk with us again, okay? Would you do that? I will. That would be great. Thank you so much for having me. Kira Asatrian. We'll put the link to Kira's website in the usual place on the chiefforyourself.com homepage. Just one of the many places you can hear the program. Subscribe there and uh, get show updates and guest information, too. By the way, one of the places you'll find Chief for Yourself is Spreaker.com. And remind you, too, that more great guests are coming your way. Stay close to those blog posts from Genulines, and uh, you'll find out more. But for now, that's uh, going to do it. Wrap up here, and I will thank you so much for taking the time to listen in. Be well, and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you.